Holy Spirit revealed to us today the power of God's love. It's great compassion. What it means to us that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to pay a price that we could not pay. And in paying that price, you redeemed, you ransomed our life. You ransomed it away from sin and all that sin was doing to govern over our life and you brought us into relationship with you that that righteousness and that relationship might be the source that governed and directed our whole life. That relationship that we have with you is the most important thing to you and as it becomes the most important thing to us, our choices, our decisions, our direction will fall in line with what you've planned for us and fulfillment and destiny, vision and purpose will rise in our hearts in ways that it never has before. Because our desires become your desires and your desires become ours. And that oneness that Jesus prayed for before he left the earth will become a reality. And the strength of that union and the purpose of that union and the reflecting of the goodness of that union we have with you will not only affect our lives but our families and those with whom we have to do that you've placed us there to influence others with that very life and the light of that life. We're thankful for this morning, how good and pleasant it is. We come together in unity. I thank you for that anointing that you promised. Coming upon this body, upon each member of this body, that anointing and presence of the Holy Spirit, not only in this place, that you might lead us and guide us and teach us, but we would carry it away from this place that it would empower us to be witnesses, empower us to live above the fray, empower us to stretch forth your hand to minister to others. The lives might be changed, people might be saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole and prospered. We declare it, a year of great harvest, a year of great prosperity, a year of great blessing, and we thank you, Father. We thank you for all that you have done, all that you're doing, all that you'll continue to do, not only for us, but in us and what you desire to do through us. And we give you the glory and the honor, the praise and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished even this morning by your word and by your spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. It is a great day to be alive, an even better day to be serving Jesus. Amen. Uh, God has great things in store for you. He's got great things in store for his body. And uh, no matter what's going on around us, God has planned and redeemed us for this very time and this very purpose. And, uh, you know, could it be some, you know, we read the scripture, could it be that God's called us to the kingdom for such a time as this? Well, yes, 
we're here. God didn't make a mistake. You should have been born back in the book of Acts. You should have been born at some other time in history. No, God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. We were born into the earth for such a time as this, to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ for such a time as this. This is not our time to shrink back, but our time to rise up and understand where we are in time and be the church for the last days. Amen? Praise the Lord. We're looking at somebody next to say, the life of God dwells in me, and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't you give our worship team a hand as they're going off the platform. Aren't you so grateful and thankful uh, for their talents, their abilities to lead us into worship and bring the presence of God in amongst us? We are so glad. We're, we're glad if you're joining us by line, online. Excuse me. We welcome you this morning. We want to welcome our Meeker campus uh, this morning. We're so glad that you are with us. We are in 21 days of prayer. And uh, last week we were praying, if you fo are following with us just as a church. I mean, you can be praying in your, your normal time, but as a congregation, we are praying and we were praying concerning ourselves, our heart, consecration, dedication to the things of God this year and how we are there. And so in our morning prayer times, we were praying that. In our evening prayer times, we were kind of praying all of that. But this week, we began uh, a praying for the church and family. And so uh, next week for government and, and things that are there. And so what a great time to launch off the year, first things first, by praying and uh, really seeking God. Not just seeking God, but cooperating with God. We ended last year really in so many ways talking about PPE, pers uh, patience, perseverance, and endurance. But in that place of patience, we talked about waiting on the Lord. And that waiting on the Lord means to be intertwined with him. Not just sit with your feet up waiting for God to do something, but it's in entering into a divine relationship, being intertwined. That's what the book of Isaiah says. And so our prayer time starting off this year is to come more intertwined, more one with him, not separate, not God up in heaven somewhere, and we're over here, and not this, this idea, if God could do something, maybe I could get in on it, but what God's doing, I'm doing, what I'm doing, God's doing, we're melding our lives together in that oneness. That's why Jesus died, so we weren't separate from God and separated from God by sin, but because of the blood of Jesus, sin that separated us could be washed and cleansed, and we could become one with him. And so, uh, again, your, your schedule, your time, setting aside time to just pray, to look at the Word, to set aside a devotional time so that you're looking at the Word. The Word of God is alive. When Alan talks about developing vision for our life, vision should come from the Word of God. We shouldn't be telling God, listen, I have a vision, God, could you get in on it? We should be reading the Word of God and let what God has said about us really spring alive. Because God didn't say you're a failure. God didn't say you couldn't make it. God didn't say, you know, that you should be down and decrepit and, and just barely getting by. No, God said you are the righteousness of God in Christ, that he made a way of success for you, that God wants you to stand out and be influential wherever you go and whatever you do. When you read that and that word becomes alive, it creates vision. And that's what the, pro the writer of Proverbs said. He said, without vision, people perish. 
But he explains really in other translations where that vision comes from. He says, without a word from God, people wander aimlessly. Another translation says, without a prophetic word, people cast off restraint. And so we have people casting off restraint everywhere. Why? Because they're getting hopeless. They don't see the future. And the church should just get the word of God and allow that word of God to show you not only where you are, but where you're going, a prophetic type word. We're not talking about you needing to go find a prophet. This is a prophetic word. God's not just speaking about what has happened. He's speaking about what is happening and what is to happen in your life so that you can have vision. And that vision placed out there brings restraint on your life. If I'm going to get where God wants me to go, I can't just go over here today and over there tomorrow. I'm staying focused. And that's what Paul said. Paul says, I remain focused on the the prize of the mark of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. So we're praying with purpose. We're praying with purpose to hear from God, to join ourselves with God, to see what God sees, to hear what God says to us that we might involve ourselves in it in our daily life. Amen? And so we were launching off this year. We, we ended last year just saying this, but I, I love this psalm. I believe it pertains uh, to this year. Uh, psalm 65, starting verse 11. It says, speaking of God, you crown the year with your goodness. This would be a good one to put on your mirror. If you can put it on your TV screen when it just goes up, turn it on in the morning so it's right there. You crown the year with your goodness. When you wake up in the morning and the enemy says, don't you feel terrible? Don't you just feel like, uh, you know, you're just going through the day-to-day every day, and all of a sudden you just look at that and say, nope, nope, devil, you're wrong. This year is crowned with God's goodness. And your paths drip with abundance. See, that's why we're praying, because God's paths drip with abundance. God's ways have abundance in them. It says they drop on the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks, and the valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy, and they also sing. He said this is a year of rejoicing and singing because there's great harvest when we're walking with God. There's great harvest of everything that God has given to us, everything that God has promised with us. He's going to crown it with his goodness. His paths are going to drip with abundance. And as we walk in his paths, his pastures, or in other words, the churches of God are really going to be filled with flocks. And outside the grain, the fields are white unto harvest. It's a time to sing for the church to grow and for the harvest to be brought in. So as we were praying, you know, just uh, I felt like the Spirit of God said 2022 would be a year to see it through. It's not a good year to just already start off going, it's a time to not grow weary in well-doing. But those who wait upon the Lord, those who are intertwined with the Lord, he will renew your strength. It's time to mount up with wings as eagles. It's time to run and not grow weary. It's a time to walk and not faint. It's a time to see the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And not allow the enemy to overcome us or to overwhelm us. And so in praying, it's really that, that place of prayer. We talked about this last week, that spirit of John the Baptist, that Jesus is coming again. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Jesus is coming again. He's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And so as we begin to pray, as we begin to follow the path of God, we are praying and we are praying into situations, laying out track, 
Pastor Mark Brzee says it like this. You pray out ahead. You don't pray behind. You don't pray now. You lay out track. It's like laying out train track for where you're going. Or, or the Bible says it like this, making a highway into areas of our government, highway into areas of our family, highways into our own heart. We talked about that last uh, week, making uh, mountainous places low, uh, valley places brought up, crooked places straight. We're praying and laying out track. And our praying is effective. Our praying is effective. Praying is one of those areas where we should not grow weary in well-doing because we will reap if we do not faint. And so James chapter 5 and verse 16 from the Amplified Bible says this, Confess uh, to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Now listen, to this. this is the part we want to get to, but here we can see praying for the church as we're talking about that is effective. He says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued, I want you to highlight that if you have that, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Tremendous power available. Come on, when we're praying, we make tremendous power available. The New King James says it like this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I want to take something from each one of those translations today, just two things, and talk about them. I want to talk about our effectiveness in prayer and our continuing in prayer. Our effectiveness in prayer and our continuing in prayer. So often the enemy comes to us and, you know, we started out this year and some, you know, we start out celebrating and all of a sudden, you know, we hear of different changes and things taking place and, and you know, the enemy will try to overwhelm with circumstances. And the circumstances come and the, the news comes and, and circ, uh, situations come and all they're coming for is for the enemy to come into our life and begin to have those circumstances, those thoughts, those situations become, to lord, be, become a place or be in a place to lord it over our life. To lord it over our life. Right? So that it becomes the main thing we think about, the main thing we concentrate on, the thing that has our attention, the thing that has our conversation, the thing that grabs our conduct. And so when we begin to pray about those things, oh man, this is affecting my family. And so what do we do? We begin to pray about what is affecting our family. Oh, this is going to affect my family this way, that way. Or we pray for our government and we begin to pray about the things that are affecting us because it's lorded over us. It's very difficult to be effective in prayer when you're praying and always trying to pray out from underneath a situation that's lording over us. And so our effectiveness in prayer is going to come and become more effective the more we understand that we have authority in prayer. That we have authority in prayer. It's been delegated unto us by Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 19, and we're just jumping in in the middle of Paul's prayer, that we'd have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light, that we might know what is the hope of our calling, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. How many of you are believers? 
then there's exceeding great power released towards you as a believer. According, and this power is according to his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Right? So resurrection power. In other words, he's, he's bestowed upon us or released in the resurrection to us miracle-working power. That's what that word power means. But then he goes on. He, he says, well, there's not just miracle-working power, but he's released other power to us. He said uh, that same power that raised Christ from the dead, but that power didn't just raise Christ from the dead. It seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which also that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he makes a few statements that causes us to recognize that what's been released towards us is not only miracle working power, but authoritative power because God raised him and seated him at his own right hand. His own right hand is a place of authority, of God's authority at God's right hand. He placed everything, principalities, powers under his feet, which means where he's seated, if it's under his feet, it's under his authority. And he made him to be the head over all things, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything. So if he, the head, has authority and is over all principality and power, then we, his body, we, his body, also contain that same authoritative power. Same authoritative power. So go on into chapter 2. It says, and you he made alive, speaking of you and I. You he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted our lives, or conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. In other words, he starts to explain to us and make a change for our thinking. Here's where Jesus ascended on high. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Uh, the devil and all the principalities and all the working of the world system are under his feet. And you're in him and he's in you. You're his body. Now, this isn't the way that it used to be. It used to be that the world system and all that was going on governed your life. Governed your life. He said you were once that way. Everybody was once that way. But you're not that way anymore. He's trying to explain this. He's saying, listen, because Jesus raised from the dead and you're in Christ, you no longer are governed by the course of this world and every fad that the enemy wants to bring around. Your life is no longer governed with a fear of the wrath of God, that you're sons and daughters of God. I'm a son of God. We're in a position of authority over principalities and powers. We are no longer governed by the course of this world. We're governed by the kingdom of God. People say, well, I just don't know about that. I'm just a sinner. Well, he goes on to tell us that. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. The Amplified says, because of and in order to satisfy his great love for us. 
even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace have you been saved. Now listen to this. And raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. He said, listen, here's what Jesus did. Here's how you used to be. But because of God's great love, if you understand that the exceeding greatness of his power raised him from the dead, but not only raised him from the dead, but seated him in a place of eternal authority with every principality and power, might and dominion under his feet. Though you used to be controlled by the world system, no more. You now are seated in that same place of authority at his own right hand in your relationship in Christ Jesus. Why is that important? Because when we pray, we're not praying out from under the course of this world and the authority that it's trying to exert over our life, but we are praying from above those things. We are praying from a place of spiritual authority over them, not under them. So we don't come into the place so often when we don't realize that they've exerted authority. They're consuming our thoughts, our minds, our conduct. We begin, when you begin to pray out from under them, you find yourself more praying in complaining than praying from a reigning and ruling place. And God called us to reign, not complain. Come on. And it's so subtle. The enemy gets you praying about, oh, woe is the government. Woe are my children. Woe is the family. Oh, God, if you could just do something. Jesus is saying, I already did something. And I put you in a place of authority to start executing what I've already accomplished. We get to complaining that God should do something. God ought to do something. When is God going to do something? God's already done something, and then he's turned it over to us to execute it in our life, in our family, and in the earth. And one of the most effective ways that we begin to do that is not trying to figure out people that we can rule, situations that we can control, but we understand that from a heavenly place and a prayer place, we have authority to bind and to loose and to speak into situations the truth of God's word and command them to change. To speak unto mountains and know that those mountains have to begin to move. Why do we doubt they're moving? Because we look at the circumstances and say, I spoke to it, it's not moving. But listen, when you start speaking and speaking, knowing I have authority over that mountain, bless God, I'm not moving, so you better move. I'm not changing, so you better change. Come on, it just sits there for a while to see if you're going to change, to see if you're going to be steadfast and immovable. But when it finds out that you're steadfast, you're immovable, you believe God, you're not moving. That thing better move because your promise is on the other side of that mountain. And bless God, I'm getting my promise. Come on. It's this place of authority that we stand in. And there's a humility to our authority, but a boldness. Because it's not our authority. It's been delegated to us by Jesus. So we better handle it like Jesus would handle it. Come on, we don't take his authority and do our thing with it. We take his authority and we do his thing with it. So just in case you wonder, Matthew chapter 18. 
or 28, excuse me, verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He said, listen, I have authority. And because I have authority, you have authority to start making disciples, to affect other people's lives, to bring into that. So we have a living example of that in, in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent his disciples out, and this is what he said. He said, I'm charging you to go out into cities and villages. I'm giving you authority to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to cast out devils and to heal the sick. They didn't know they had authority, but they went ahead and obeyed him and did exactly what he said. And they came back, and they were super excited. Just as you and I will be more excited this year than ever before when we learn to pray from a place of authority and understand, wait a minute. That situation is subject to me. That demonic force is subject to me. These things that you've called me to pray about, they're subject to me in your name. Because you've commissioned me to take hold of my life and execute the reality of the gospel in my life in my family, in my sphere of influence. And when I do that and I see things that aren't godly and that are wrong, I have a place of authority to speak into them. And we'll begin to see change when we obey God. And we'll come back and say, wow, I've been struggling with that for a long time. But actually, it is subject to me. And that's what they did. If you read it, they came back. They did exactly what Jesus said. They came back excited. They said, wow, Jesus even the demons are subject to us in your name. And this is what Jesus said to them. He said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. So I see a lot of things hurting a lot of people because we haven't understood that we're praying from a place of authority. We're trying. We're trying to move things. We're trying to control things. But all the while, so subtly, we're trying to pray out from underneath things that have executed or created a, a dominating force in our minds. You say, how do you know it's dominating me, Pastor? Well, I don't know, but you can know because if it's consuming your thoughts, your desires, and your actions, it's lording over you. It's lording over you. But the moment you get on top of it and you begin to declare and take authority and pray, pray into your family, pray into your situations, pray concerning your own heart and your own life coming in line with God's word, things begin to change when you pray from above them in a position of authority instead of below them just trying to get something to change. In Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 10, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Come on, Come on we're talking about power and authority again. Yes. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. Now listen to this. Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. How often do we want to get authority? We want to get a position of authority 
over people, over things. When things get out of control, we just want to control them. Yet the more we try to control them, the more they get out of control. Listen, the more you try to control people, the more they get out of control. And God has set up natural authorities. We talked about that some at the end of our last uh, uh, series to understand authority. The reason that we said to understand authority is so important is because you have authority. If you disregard authority that God's put in your life, then how is the enemy going to respond to your authority? But so often we want to find a place of natural authority to control things when really our highest level of authority is right here over principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly place. Because those are the most detrimental things. They show up in the natural, but they're really working a spiritual force against us. People just respond and act in a way. There are evil people in the, the world, but not most of them are people that you're dealing with. Most of the people that you're dealing with are just ignorant to our immaturities. Come on, just stay with me for a moment. Most of the people that frustrate us and win and begin to lord over us through offense or just through their actions or our inability to control them rule over us, and they don't even know it. If they knew it, they would really be a problem. But the enemy is seeking whom he may devour. So he just realizes through my speech and through my actions in different situations, he's like, I see that weakness. You have, you have a little bit of trouble with love. You have a little bit of trouble with, with offense and people not acting right. And you have a little bit of trouble with finances. You have a little bit of trouble with authority. He just starts watching that and he says, well, I just think I'll bring somebody of authority in your life. Well, those people, they just boss me around. And all of a sudden, it's not them. They don't even know. They just carry an authority, and you're all of a sudden offended. Well, those people are just such a smart aleck. They're never serious about anything. Those people, that people, that boss, that job, that... And we start focusing on that, and it starts raining over our life. And it's not that job or that person at all. It's the devil taking that specific personality to expose an immaturity in us. And he battles with us to bring us down because we generally think it's a person, so we always lash out at that person, try to control that person, put that person out of our life, and we never stop and think, wait a minute, he's attacking something that needs to grow in me. And the moment I see what needs to grow in me and I stop and I put my foot down and said, here comes the grace of God. I invite the grace of God to change me. And now in that releasing the change in me. I take authority over the strategy of the enemy. And guess what I do in that authority? I say, you know what? I forgive them and I love them and I'm going to pray for them. And immediately I take authority over the strategy of the enemy. I won't let him get me in offense. I won't let him get me in unforgiveness. I won't let him get me in gossip and dissension and strife. I won't let him get me in variance and hatred and envy. I won't let him lead me into sexual desires over uh, somebody else that's not my spouse. Nope, I won't. I take authority over that. 
I stop him right there. But we never consider that. We think it's the other person leading us and pulling us. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Oh, that government of ours, that government of ours. Listen, he's just exposing and pulling out division and anger. When we stop and say, you can't do that. I'm not going to let that happen. So we put on the whole armor of God, he says. He says we put on, you know, truth and righteousness, salvation. We put on the truth so we understand what we're wrestling against. We put on righteousness and peace to execute that. We put on salvation to keep our soundness of mind. We put up the shield of faith to ward against the strategies of the enemy. And we take the word of God in our mouth as a sword to defeat the enemy. How we take our authority and how we pray is incredibly important. And he lines out that whole armor of God. And then he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication." with all perseverance for all the saints and for me. He says, we pray for the church and for leaders. We pray for our family, knowing that we're praying against spiritual forces and we're standing against strategies of the enemy, not people. So we can begin to defeat those strategies of the enemy. We stand in a place of recognizing and standing in a a place of authority, recognizing the strategies of the enemy. The Bible says we should not be ignorant to the devil's devices, yet over and over and over we fall prey to his strategies. And as we rise up and we say, I'm in a position of authority, I'm not always trying to pray out from under his authority. I am in a position of authority. I've been delegated by Jesus himself a commission and a mission and authority in his name to execute his will in my life, in my family, in my sphere of influence, and even in my nation, I've been given a commission and authority to accomplish the mission, which is his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not a think so, maybe so. If God wants to, he says, I want my will to be done, and I've commissioned my body, the church, to take authority and bring it to pass. So if we understand our place of authority, we'll be more effective in prayer. More effective in prayer. Instead of hope so, wish so, maybe so, maybe the answer's yes, maybe the answer's no, it's up to God. God didn't say that. God said, my promises are yes. Not yes and no, but yes and amen. So if we're not praying according to his will, he doesn't even have to say no. It's not his will. Pray according to his will, his answer is yes. So we know if we pray according to his will, he hears us. First John says, and if he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we ask. So often we don't know we're praying out from under his will. We're complaining. We're hoping he'll do something to reverse a situation that we've gotten ourselves into instead of just confessing that situation, being cleansed from unrighteousness, being pulled back up to that place of relationship and seeing it totally different and praying from that, praying from that place of authority. So that's our place of effectiveness. Turn over to uh, Exodus chapter 17. He said that effective or effectual heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man or woman makes much power available, dynamic in its working. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 8. It says, now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill 
with the rod of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So Jesus has raised us up on the hill. Positionally, Jesus has raised us up and seated us in heavenly places and given us authority. The rod of Moses is a symbol of his authority. Wherever there was a, 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 a rod, it was a symbol of his authority. He used his rod. He stretched out the rod uh, to split the Red Sea. When he threw the rod down, God's rod turned into a snake. And the, the, the uh, wizards or whoever they were, their sna- theirs became a snake and God consumed them. God's authority and power even over that of those wizards. And so it was a sign of God's authority. There's that place of the rod of God and that authority. You know, I'm reminded in that just, you know, uh, Stanley Livingston, a, a, a missionary to Africa. You know, he, he had a sp- specific illness where he needed goat's milk. And he's going through and his life was threatened uh, on a missionary journey that he was on. And so he needed to make a covenant with this strong tribe in Africa. And so when they cut a covenant, he wasn't really as much aware of the covenant. You know, the story that he tells is really about covenant and the understanding of covenant. And he cut a covenant with that tribal leader. Well, when he cut that covenant with that tribal leader, covenant means everything that you have is mine and everything that I have is yours. And so the moment that they cut covenant, that tribal leader, uh, the, the prince or king of that tribe said, I want your goat. And Livingston said, wait a minute, that's my life right there. I can't travel throughout Africa and do what God's called me to do without that goat's milk. But I just cut a covenant. So what I have belongs to you and what you have belongs to me. So he gave him his goat. And the king gave him his scepter or his rod. He thought, this is a raw deal, man. This raw, this, this scepter is not going to do anything for me. But as he went from tribe to tribe to minister to them, having that scepter of the king of that tribe who was the strongest tribe in that whole area. Everywhere he went, because he had that scepter, that rod, he could get whatever goat's milk he wanted from any goat in any tribe, anywhere, because he represented the most powerful leader in that area by having his rod. Moses had the rod of God. Basically, when Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me, I give it to you, he said, I've put a rod in your hand. What are you going to do with what I put in your hand? When Moses stood at the Red Sea, he's like, God, what are you going to do? And God said, what are you going to do? I put my authority in your hand. You stretch forth that which is in your hand. And watch what I do with the authority I put in your hand. And so God raises us up and puts us in heavenly places. But we have to take authority. We have to pray. We have to declare. We have to exercise that authority in the earth. And if you'll notice in this story that as long as Moses held up the rod of God, they won the victory. But the moment that he let the rod down, the enemy began to win. Says the effective, continual prayer of a righteous man makes much power available dynamic in its working. 
So often we get off, we get started in the year praying and praying. We start to gain some momentum. Even though the enemy attacks, we gain some momentum. As soon as we gain momentum, we let down our prayer life. All of a sudden, the enemy starts winning again. Oh, we need to get back to prayer. Get back to prayer until we seem like we're winning. Then we kind of let off the prayer. The enemy starts winning. And God doesn't want us to let off and let down our authority. Not this year. Not ever. 2022 is a year to see it through. See it through to the end. Pray it through to the end. Pray it through to fruition. Not just pray it through to relief. Pray it through to accomplishment. Joshua's fighting a battle. He's winning the battle. He's winning the battle in such a way that the enemy runs into the trees and and it's dusk and it's like the enemy's leaving. We won, but they're living to fight another day. And Joshua said, there is no way, no way you're running off into the trees and living to fight another day. God commissioned me to utterly destroy you. So he looked up and he took his authority and he said, son, I need you to stand still. We need just this much more light of day. Because I'm finishing what we started and totally defeating the enemy. Sometimes we're praying and it just seems like, you know what, we prayed for a long time and the day's about over and the enemy's pretty much pushed back, but he lives to fight another day. But if we'll take our authority and hold it up until there's total victory, total fruition, total harvest, we're not just praying for 21 days. We're setting 21 days to begin habits of prayer and understanding our authority to carry it through every day, every day, as a matter of our habit, as a matter of our authority, as a matter of our position and our commission in Christ Jesus. Not only to take authority over our own life, but to exercise authority over things going on in our family, to exercise authority over the enemy attacking our church, and exercise authority in the spirit realm over government officials. That God will begin to work in them. He's been able to work through godly kings, not so godly kings, and evil kings. So if we only pray if we think we have a godly president or leaders, we'll be letting down on our authority. We can pray no matter what situation they're in and hold our ground and continue to pray. The effective, continual heartfelt prayer of a righteous man. One last thing. You know, as, we, as I was meditating on this and looking at this, there's different, uh, you know, we like to pray in authority and have immediate results. But, you know, there's, when you're in authority over things, there are sometimes uh, you have to understand what you're dealing with and, and what the results, the expectation of the results are so that you know when to continue, how to continue. So, you know, on this property right here, you know, Zane's our, our maintenance our manager. You know, if it's the summertime, you know, they set like on Thursday is their day to mow. Well, you know, if I decide, you know what, we're going to have a, a special meeting with a lot of people uh, on Wednesday, and I want everything to look just nice. I have authority. I have authority to call Zane into my office and say, listen, I want you all to change. I want you to mow the grass, all the grass today, because we have a special meeting. And I have an expectation that because of my authority, that grass is getting mowed today. Right? 
I have an expectation that it's getting mowed today. But you know, when we built that preschool building, I have authority. But I didn't just command that that preschool building be built today and have an expectation that it would be built today. No, we started a process. And in that, my authority, I had to commission, along with our board of directors, commission that we would build that building. I had to sign papers and authority to finance that building. Day after day, we're dealing with construction workers and leaders. We're doing walkthroughs and saying, no, by my authority, you're not going to do that kind of job. Nope, that's not done well enough. We need to have that. We're calling suppliers, and by our authority, we're commanding things need to get here. Where is that? Calling people to get it on time. We're continually lifting up our authority, but understanding that it's going to be nine months to a year until that thing comes to fruition. But if I just said, I believe that preschool is going to be built, just go at it, guys, and then just step back and let my authority down, who knows what would be built there? Who knows when it would be paid for? But from beginning to end, we prayed, we exercised our natural authority and our spiritual authority until it was done and paid for. Thank God the things for the, the things, spiritual things, they're already paid for. But when we understand there are some things that we command right now and we have an expectation that they should be done right now. But there are some things that we are going to have to continue in prayer until we see them totally finished. And that's just the way you operate in authority. You don't quit because it's not done today. You continue to exercise your authority till it's totally accomplished. Amen? Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify and we glorify you. Thank you for the anointing that rests upon each and every person. I pray, Father, that you'd give them a confidence like never before in their prayer life this year that they would understand the authority that they have. And when there's kickback from the enemy or it doesn't happen today, that just like Moses stood in that place of authority and kept his rod up and the battle was won, and he realized that when I let it down, we're losing. And so he set up a system by which his hands would never go down so that the battle might be fully accomplished and fully won. Even so, let us lift up our authority. And when there's times when we need support, we need agreement, from brothers and sisters in Christ, we will be bold to call upon it that our hands stay up as it were. Our rod of God stays up until the victory is complete. Whether it's in our life, our family, this church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, or our government, we'll continue to stand in our place of authority and declare to bind and to loose that the kingdom of God will be seen and known in the earth, in this day, in this hour, seen in our life, in our family, in our communities, and in our nation, that we as the church will arise and take our place, not be pushed back and not intimidated. I thank you. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a well-disciplined mind, that we wouldn't wander aimlessly and get off track and be distracted, but we will have the focus on what you've called us to do. We'll be effective in doing it, And we'll continue in it and see your promise. 
I thank you that 2022 is a year that we will see it through. And those dreams that you've put in our heart, those souls in a, that we're praying for in our sphere of influence in our family will be saved. Bodies will be healed. We'll be delivered from bondages and substance abuse. I thank you, Lord. Things will change in the leadership of our nation as we rise and take our position of authority. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. I thank you for anointing each one to stand in their place, to boldly speak your word, to stretch your, forth your hand. Signs and wonders would be wrought in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus. Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.